Hi, this is Dr. Tom Rogers at Performance Medicine talking to you this week about COVID-19 update. Boy, do I have a lot to talk about. I'll try to keep it short as I can, though. Um, I think that last week was one of the most exhausting, busiest weeks I've had as a medical practitioner of 36 years, except maybe for residency, um, where I'd stay up for 36 hours at a time. But um, couldn't do that now. But gosh, me and my team have treated last week over 100 cases of COVID-19 outpatient, of course, by telemedicine. Um, Yesterday, which was Monday, we treated 40 cases of COVID-19. So uh, I guess you could say it's kind of surging right now. You know, what a pickle we're in at this point. COVID-19 has been affecting the United States for 18 months. We've had over 190 million people get at least one vaccination. I think 170 million have been fully vaccinated. Um, There's been a reported 39 million people that have had COVID and probably double that because a lot of them didn't know they had it. So it seems like the majority of our country um, is either been vaccinated or had the disease so it's still surging why well the new delta variant is probably the reason it's surging right now it certainly seems to be more contagious um, than the other variants so far Um, i don't think it's more deadly from what i've seen and talked to uh, hospitalists and things Um, but certainly um You know, we're having a lot of breakthrough um, cases, meaning uh, the fully vaccinated can still get COVID-19, which is is somewhat surprising for us, um, for some of us. Um, So the vaccine is not as effective at preventing this mutation um, as we thought it would be. Um, You know, hopefully it won't cause as many deaths as the last go around when you had, had a surge that like we're having now i mean but you know usually think of this kind of viruses as peaking in the the winter and here it is the the heat of the summer in august so you know something fishy is kind of going on and we're learning every day new things about um you know the course this thing's taking um and we're certainly myself i'm learning about new more aggressive ways to treat it as an outpatient you'd much rather be treated early as an outpatient than you would having to go to the hospital you know i don't think our um, cdc and our government has really led us really entirely in the right direction on this thing because there is treatment uh, if you treat early it's it's off label some of it um, but it's certainly i've seen it to be pretty effective not that there aren't uh, patients that Um, get early treatment and still end up going to the hospital. But I think early treatment is um, not going to hurt you. And it's definitely, um, if you get COVID, you want to do anything you can to avoid going to the hospital. I mean, the hospital is is a place where, thank goodness, it's a safe haven for the most part. And, you know, it should be a place to go if if you need to go there. Um, Certainly, you don't need to go there if you think you have uh, just have COVID-19 and want to get tested. You should go to one of the, the outpatient uh, 
facilities or even your local drugstore that test outside of the the office to see if you have COVID-19, if you have symptoms. And pretty much if you have sore throat, runny nose, cough, um, flu-like illness, you probably have COVID-19. I encourage you to get the test, uh, even the even though the test is not 100% accurate by any means, way away from that, but still you have kind of an idea with what you're dealing with. Um, so you get a lot of false negatives. You get some false positives, of course. Um, a lot of it's very complex on the cycle threshold. You know, they keep changing that. And, you know, a lot of the data you can't really rely on that you're hearing in the news. Um, but there's one data – one data point I'll tell you, COVID is for real. There's no doubt about that. Um, and it, if you notice, if you look at the pictures and follow the data, look on your local news or evening news, the people that are getting really sick, getting on ventilators, maybe dying to this, are um, people with a lot of comorbidities. Now, there are exceptions, of course, like there are exceptions to anything. But um, for the most part, at least 75% of people that have to be hospitalized with this are obese. Um, at least 80% of them have low vitamin D levels. And, of course, uh, a lot of them are elderly. Now, you know, there's apparently more children going to the, to the hospital with this. And, you know, they're, they're scaring a lot of parents and kids alike. And, but the fact is that... Usually, if a kid has to be is sick enough to be in the unit with it, um, he is he or she is um, usually saddled with a comorbidity like obesity. You know, our our country's obese, our kids are obese. There's a ton of diabetics out there. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of our adults, of course, have heart disease, um, kidney disease, a lot of lifestyle diseases that. Um, they're not emphasizing this, which is, this is a perfect opportunity. And we've really been exposed in this country, um, of our obesity epidemic. This is our main problem in our country is just obese people and immunocompromised because they don't eat right. They don't move enough. They're stressed. Um, you know, a lot of us are walking around like time bombs, you know, I see it in my office every day. Um, but so, um, we know what the root cause of the problem is. You've got a, a poorly function, innate immune system. Um, I just read a great expose by a doctor at Johns Hopkins, and um, I'll try to get that link for you, but um, he's kind of a forward thinker, and um, he's too big a fish to kind of censor, like they're doing a lot of the other docs that are treating a lot of this and have their own opinions on it. But um, And I'll try to get you that link, but... Um, he, of course, thinks that obesity is the main problem and that um, he has a lot of other ideas, like he doesn't believe that kids uh, need to wear a mask. He states that there's never been a, transmi a known transmission from a pupil to a teacher. Um, and he also doesn't think kids should be, uh, need to be vaccinated unless they have a lot of comor comorbid uh, diseases along with it. Um, in fact, he doesn't think that, um, people that are younger, under 50 and healthy necessarily need the vaccine. Now he, he's for the vaccine, uh, but 
uh, more in people that, that really need it. And I'm, personally, I'm not against a vaccine for people that need it. And there are people that need it, like elderly people, nursing home people, maybe health care workers that are exposed to it, um, diabetics, um, people with heart disease and cancer, uh, certainly uh, morbidly obese people um, who won't do well with the virus. Um, but there's, there's a lot of simple things you can do to kind of protect yourself from this virus, like eating right, exercising, taking vitamin D, taking zinc, taking vitamin C. Um, and there's a few others like quercetin and NAC that I've certainly been taking. Um, another thing I do for prevention is X-Clear uh, nasal spray. It's, it's really made with mostly xylitol, which uh, is really antiviral. And as you know, this is a respiratory virus that gets in through your nose and maybe through your eyes and mouth, mucous membranes. So, and use a, a mouthwash gargle. That gets rid of a lot of uh, bacteria and virus in itself. So, and of course, use your hand-washing techniques. And if you're sick, stay out of school, stay at home from work, don't expose to other people. There are some asymptomatic spread, but certainly not as dangerous as somebody who has, uh, who's coughing and, you know, obviously sick. So those people should use masks for sure and just stay at home. Um, there's a lot of other preventive things that we've been doing uh, for many, many months, and I guess a year and a half. And of course, I'm talking about use of ivermectin, um, which I'm really big on. I myself and my whole family have been taking it for a year now, once a week. And now I will admit I'm taking it twice a week because this thing is surging. I've also doubled my vitamin D now on my vitamin C. And I stay with about 50 milligram of zinc. Um, and I also take quercetin. There's a couple other things you can do, like uh, take an H1 and an H2 blocker, like Pepsid AC and a Zyrtec. I think that's helpful. Um, you know, and of course, move around, get outside, exercise, eat right. Don't eat sugar. Sugar's too inflammatory. This is an inflammatory lung disease that we're talking about. Um, so you know, there's a lot of controversy about this um, disease, about the vaccine. The bottom line is you need to take care of yourself and your health. You know, I think if you do that, you know, you can ride through this. Now, I've learned a lot of things about treating this uh, as an outpatient. And certainly if you can, you'd certainly rather get early outpatient treatment than you would to end up in the hospital where you may be waiting on a gurney in the outside of the emergency room for a day or two. I've seen that many times. There's just not enough hospital staff to cover this right now. You know, there's a huge nursing shortage. And, um, you know, we've lost a lot of good nurses because they just realize it's not for them. Doctors, too, healthcare workers, they're, they're scared. There's a lot of fear uh, behind um, a lot of what we're seeing right now. Um, if you see somebody in a car with a mask on by themselves or riding their bike down the creeper trail with a mask on, that's just a symbol of fear. Uh, that's all it is. Uh, but anyway, what I've learned about um, outpatient treatment is that we're becoming more aggressive with outpatient treatment. Um, and that means higher doses earlier of ivermectin. 
Um, sometimes I will use hydroxychloroquine. I think ivermectin is maybe a little more safer, probably less controversial. Um, and it's inexpensive and it works against viruses, although it is a, a, a medicine for parasites. Heck, we've been using it for years. It's won the Nobel Prize. It's one of the most valued uh, drugs in history. Um, so, and it's very safe. Um, so hydroxychloroquine, I think it works too. Um, I think that we need to be on an antibiotic for most of these people. Zithromax or doxycycline are my choices. Um, we're certainly using high-dose vitamin D. We're using high-dose vitamin C. Zinc, of course, which is, is something that kills a virus. Actually, the quercetin and the hydroxychloroquine can get the, the zinc into the cell to kill it. Um, but, but anyway, we use a lot of other modalities like I've talked about. Um, we usually put somebody on a blood thinner, usually aspirin, sometimes more. Um, I've put a, uh, several people on more potent blood thinners if they're at risk. Um, you know, I, I like uh, melatonin at night uh, to use that as well. Um, and there's some other little things I'll throw in. And, I, and I'm earlier, and, and I'll use higher doses of steroids. Um, you know, I've learned to be pretty aggressive with steroids. Of course, I use inhaled steroids a lot. Inhaled budesonide's great. Sometimes I use even bronchodilators with this thing. You have to watch your oxygen concentration through a cheap little device called a pulse oximeter. Um, sometimes I've sent oxygen into the home. Um, certainly if your O2 level is in the 80s, you need to start worrying and let us know. Um, also, monoclonal antibodies if you are eligible. Now, to be eligible, you have to be uh, meet criteria like be 65 or over, have diabetes, uh, have a BMI over 35, um, have kidney disease. And I hope they get a little more open with the use of monoclonal antibodies. Um, you got to treat early within the first five days. And with all this stuff, you need to treat early, really. Um, the inpatient hospital use of remdesivir has been kind of disappointing. Um, you know, and when the disease first came came out, you know, uh, there was really too much aggressive use of the ventilator machines, I, I think, and I think it did a lot of harm more than good. And some people are able to be ventilated and get off the ventilator, but it's kind of a rare thing. Um, but there, there's, you always hope, but I've seen a lot of multi-organ system failure once you get on the ventilator in hospitalized patients. Um, um, have experienced this with, with loved ones and some, and some family friends that have gone down the tubes with that, with that treatment. It's usually too late or they had comorbid conditions. So you need to do everything you can to um, prevent this and get early treatment. Uh, there is treatment that is available early if you do. And certainly I'm a big proponent of um, prophylactic ivermectin use. It's off-label, but, you know, we can use it as doctors. We use things off-label every day. Every doctor does this. Um, not every doctor knows to use ivermectin, but um, I have many, many doctors that take this, especially ones that are on the front lines. Um, you know, th I've seen this disease uh, run its course from not knowing you have it to 
being a milder case in the flu. For the most part, it's a milder illness than the flu is in healthy people. But uh, for those that aren't and for those outliers that may have a predisposed genetic uh, condition, then they can go the, down the tubes pretty rapidly. So we need to be aggressive with this. Um, I hope that, you know, our country and our world learns a lesson from this, and that, that is we need to focus on preventive medicine, you know, not reactive medicine and, and um, you know, treating with too many drugs. As I've mentioned many times before, medical error is the third leading cause of death in this country, right behind heart disease and cancer. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really big on preventive medicine. I've, I've seen the nuances of medicine through, you know, my 66 years on earth, through my father being a physician, myself for 36 years or more, my brother, tons of uncles, grandparents, and uh, cousins who are physicians as well, as well as uh, other types of providers. So, um, you know, I'm going to keep you updated. I have an open mind. This is an ever-changing story with COVID, and I'm certainly digging deep with COVID. This has been the challenge of a lifetime for me and for almost any healthcare provider right now is, is trying to figure this thing out and prevent this thing from shutting down everything again. You know, it really didn't, the lockdowns really didn't work before. They won't work again. Um, and I just hope it's not headed toward that, towards that. Um, as far as the vaccines, you know, you can't say a lot about them. Uh, you need to make your own choice. If the benefits outweigh the risk, uh, then you should take the vaccine. Um, if the risk outweigh the benefits, then you shouldn't take the vaccine. It should be your own private decision, informed decision. So, um, you know, in the aforementioned in the earlier piece of the podcast about who should, who I think shouldn't get the, the vaccine uh, are people that are healthy, that, you know, are lean, they eat right, they're healthy, you know, they probably don't need it. Um, certainly people at risk need it. Personal opinion is kids really don't need it unless they have comorbid conditions. I mean, you know, what they're doing now is giving a 12-year-old 70, 80-pound girl the same dose as a 200-pound man. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, it's not common sense, and I think that's why we're seeing so much myocarditis from the vaccine in kids. Um, certainly, the uh, adverse events are being underreported, no doubt about that. Um, so, um, the disease, getting the disease is risky. Sometimes the vaccine for certain people is risky, um, but certainly in some people, the benefits are going to outweigh the risks. So, I'm not totally anti-vaccine on this thing so i don't want to get that opinion um, but certainly it's a self-choice and you need to weigh your risk and think about it um, but there is treatment for this um, bottom line is take your vitamin d eat right think about your own health um, and you know contact somebody who likes early outpatient treatment of this thing and certainly get tested if you have symptoms. Um, I hope to keep you updated throughout the course of this pandemic. Um, we're following just a ton of patients. As I mentioned, uh, we saw over 100 patients last week with COVID, new cases of COVID, uh, besides all the long COVID that we're already treating, long haulers, 
and yesterday monday uh we saw 40 covid patients or tell by telemedicine visit you know we we don't we can't have people coming into our office with covid and telemedicine has certainly been a great thing for us and for for all of medicine we're able to treat a lot of stuff outpatient uh, and where everybody's safe or more comfortable it's certainly more convenient um, and we've worked out a system a protocol for approaching prevention and treatment of COVID-19. So stay tuned. You know, I'm always trying to be optimistic about everything, even though, you know, it seems like our country is more divided than it is united, like it should be. Um, so just stay tuned, and I'll hopefully keep uh, people that listen to this podcast updated as much as I can. And certainly you can contact one of our offices if you want a, a telemedicine visit. Uh, for further guidance or treatment. Uh, Thank you. I'll talk to you next week.